Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I walk a straight line, shackled and chained. Oh, gruesome Gertie is calling my name. There is no mercy in this penitentiary. Just ask the Hillstring Gang, Rango. Welcome back to Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. Complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And we have a special guest. Yes, we do. And we have been covering a series that we are on part three of, the right. Lake House Murder. Fire series. And we promised you the best guest ever. Right. And so, would you introduce yourself? Absolutely. Introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Christine Tillman, um, uh, an attorney that um, works for E. Eric Gaylord Andrew Lawyers. Yep. And um, shout out to E. Shout out. Out. Yeah, yeah, Eric Gaylord. The E yeah. guarantee. That's right. Hey, where'd you go to law school? Southern University. Right. You know, my aunt was tenured there for 30 something years until she died. Really? Cynthia Piku. I've heard of Piku. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of everybody, outlines for everybody, Piku. Yeah. Everybody heard of her. She was my dad, who was also a lawyer. My mom was the first woman inducted to LSU Law School. Everybody in my family is a lawyer except for me, six brothers and sisters. But my dad said Cynthia could, was the most genius legal mind he had ever seen. She could write backwards with two hands on the chalkboard and that kind of But She was 
mm, she was out there. Like if she, <laughs> if, if she would meet you, you know, there's no uh, social skills, you know, and she'd meet you and like, if she thought you were fat and she'd say, I'm Cynthia and you're fat. Uh, <laughs> oh my but my, God rest her soul. Was, uh, you know, she's my aunt. So. Yeah. And then my godmother, my mom's other sister is, is uh, Sydney Walker, the judge in East West Felicia now. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, you have I'm, a lot of full oh, yeah. of attorneys, and that's what I was telling Jim the other day is um, I'm the only one in my family, but I had three brothers total in law enforcement at one time. Two were really? currently still in law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then my yeah. husband at one time was in corrections. Right. His daddy was that. a retired warden. Right. So uh, a, little, a little different on the opposite it's, end. Yeah, so. so mine is exact opposite. Uh, one, two, three. Every, all my brothers and sisters and uh, both of my grandfathers, one was a judge until he died. One was the longest running DA in the state. And then like, one of my grandmothers was uh, became a lawyer also. And then my mom and my dad and all my brothers and sisters. Wow. And here I am sitting across the table from you. That's it. That's <laughs> it. It's funny how life works. So let's tell um, the reason you're here today is you have a lot of intimate knowledge on this basically the series we've been doing and how this came about. So we're going to give the listeners the inside scoop from that you're never going to get anywhere else. Absolutely. Bill? That's that's right. And uh, and just to tell them how we came in contact. So it was funny you reached out to me and you're like, you have a podcast. And this was just recently. Miss um, uh, Tillman and I knew each other because in my former life, as a, uh, I managed a, a large paint corporation that was family-owned, and uh, she's a real estate agent. I think yes. you still have your license and all that sort uh, of yes, thing. Yes, so. I have a couple listings, and I actually work for Mandy Benton Realty down the road. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So that's how to them. And uh, was showing us some commercial buildings, and that's kind of how we met. And then many years later, she discovers this podcast, and right. and she's like, I, I "Yeah, she's like, how did I not know?" <laughs> that's right. But uh, glad you're here, and you do have some some knowledge on this, and maybe maybe kind of start with uh, uh, you know your particular knowledge with uh, this case and pretty landmark decision that Absolutely. was made. It, it very very interesting case. I was actually <clears throat> I was at the first circuit at the time working under um, Judge Terrio. Yep. with the First Circuit Court of Appeal, which is located in Baton Rouge. Right. And um, I remember, because, you know, when, when you clerk for a judge and the judge, they, they get writs all the time. Yeah. You know, basically requesting, you know, it's it's not an appeal of right. It's just saying, please take my case. Yeah, this and is a writ is, is a, essentially a letter uh, of, of sorts from someone appealing a case. Is that exactly, typically what that is? Exactly, because if they would... People often do is when you you don't have the right to appeal or your time has lapsed for an appeal. Yeah, they take on a writ of certiorari. Gotcha. So this is this was the case here, and um, it was Attorney General at the time Landry yeah. or you know Governor Elect. Yes, that had submitted Shout the writ, <laughs> and. Um, now, there was a lot of discussion of which I, I can't disclose exactly, you know, what took place in the background sure. with all the judges and everything, but he had submitted a Oh, it's just us case. talking here. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> hear this. Yeah. 
<laughs> few hundred thousand listeners. So yeah. But I remembered my first impression was when he originally submitted it was what happened that he wouldn't attach what he needed to attach to right. it. And I read it and I said, wow, yeah, this is absolutely something. Yeah. Um, and while I'd had it, I remember researching and, and pulling up various decisions and a prior law that was very similar that was also shut down by the Supreme Court. And I remember pulling up a case, I believe it was Reddick, Reddick case, and not a lot of people pay attention to the footnotes. Yeah, but you The Supreme do. Court is very important yeah. because they issue directives, and they'll tell you what they want or what you need to do, so on and so forth. And I remember looking at a footnote in that particular case, and they'd brought up the particular law that, you know, Landry was actually challenging at the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, my goodness, if this goes to the Supreme Court, they're going to shut it down. Yeah. Just based on that footnote and the application of the law. And what I thought to myself is it's not necessarily the application that is – been so far, like, you know, with Montgomery and various people, them, them using it. I don't, I don't necessarily think kind of on the line, but it's, it's how the law is written mm-hmm. and how it can be used, not how it has been used. And it can be abused based on the language and provide more than what has been provided. Yes. And you reference Montgomery and, and for you listeners out there and correct me if I'm wrong, but Montgomery is where a, uh, uh, a minor, uh, someone under the age of 18 was convicted for life in prison with no possibility of parole. And then they changed that decision and said, if you were convicted as a minor that you, uh, basically you had to have a chance at parole, uh, after a certain time period. That's what Montgomery is for the listeners out there that may not be for people familiar. that are uh, juveniles that were convicted of second degree yes. murder, sentenced to life without the possibility, and they came later on. They changed it where they had at least a shot. And, and, and for we, you listeners out there, we actually we had, had the had first guy, guy that was ever, released in Louisiana on the show. They, we sure did. Yeah, wow. it was it was a very very good episode, uh, and and the guy's doing good things now right. um, with with his release, hey, but. I'm sorry to interrupt. So, um, for the listeners, I just want them to understand when you say you're clerking, that doesn't mean you're a secretary. You're actually the clerks are really the ones that the judges don't have time to read all the legalese and find the precedent stuff. So yeah. you're actually doing the meat of the work, and and you bring it to their attention and say, "Holy smokes." We got something exactly. Here, right? Yes, and that's how important with precedent. Uh, you know, any any time you're dealing with the law and especially appeals and things like that, you go back and you see how other judges have ruled. And that's why precedent is so important, because when you set a precedent, you're doing just that. You're set. You're basically saying, you know, we ruled this certain way. And and so attorneys will reference that to say, this is why we think this guy should go to jail or not right. go to jail or, you know, all kinds of legalese, you know, all the gamut of the law. So right. well, I think also what is important is to know your judges. Yeah. And because a lot of them do set up a pattern in their rulings and not just with the rulings, but also, you know, personally their, their background Yeah, right. and, and what they've done in the past. Um, 
you know, I think that's that's very important. Too. Absolutely. And you'll see it even, even when they uh, go to uh, Congress, a lot of times you'll, you can watch congressional hearings. And if you're a nerd like me, you, you actually watch those and, and uh, they're entertaining to say the least, but you will see people going for judgeships and even Supreme court, people nominated the Supreme court and they will grill them on well, rulings. Past yeah. yeah. You ruled this way to try to, I guess, show if they're showing favoritism towards, yeah. you know, if they're a Democrat and they're the, hey, a lot of their policies the, are whatever. Judges are human beings to you. I'm not going to say it. I never judge, judge shop for, to get a warrant signed or whatever. <laughs> who, I could, who I could take it to and get it done. Yeah. Who, Good who, point. Who might question it. So. Yeah. So you're doing that. You're, you're digging through this. You find something and you're like, Hmm. Yeah, and the, the first thing that came to my mind is uh, Chief Justice Weimer. Uh, I thought to myself, just, just knowing his background, I believe he was a professor, instructor, I believe, for about 16 years. Yeah. An independent, seems fair, straight down the line, but he's all about the rules. Right, yeah. He ate them up in his, in his language from this is wrong, this is wrong, and it was wrong here. And he put significant details in there. Yeah. But that was that was one prediction I thought, you know, when I saw everything, just thinking about the various justices that were that were there. Now, I wasn't aware that Hughes would have to recuse himself right. uh, in that instant. I, I yeah. wasn't too familiar with the other judge that went in, but I remember you guys talking about him um, in part two. Yeah. That, yeah. that sat in for Hughes after the right. recusal. So, right. Um, but And yeah. why did Hughes recuse himself? That I do not know yeah. why he recused himself, but I, I'm sure there are various reasons why judges do recuse themselves. So I, I can only assume there may have been a personal relationship or prior representation or, you know, something along those Maybe lines. Maybe he sentenced, you know, been a relative yeah. to somebody, um, various reasons. Yeah, very so, good. And so when you recuse yourself, it just take, it takes any any uh, uh, look of impropriety. Uh, uh, the, equation. At, at the end of the day, judges don't want their stuff reversed, right? Yeah. And especially, you know, some, somebody comes up and says, oh, well, you knew such and such, and you have personal bias in this, et cetera, and get it reversed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what did you do? So um, I, after researching the case, well, after he had um, submitted the, the first writ for review, um, you know, missing the documentation, so on and so forth, that the second right that he, you know, submitted was untimely. Um, but in the interim, you know, any writ that you receive, you want to see both sides. Right. So you're digging through the record, you're doing your research, you're looking at prior decisions, you're trying to find any jurisprudence there, prior laws that right. were similar. Um, so that's primarily what I did. And I wouldn't necessarily say issue reports, but like, you know, type of memorandum right. you get with the other clerks, you discuss everything you get with the judges and you discuss everything. Right. So even whether it's going to be taken up or not, there are still discussions as to the particular case. And that's right. what, you know, of course, happened in this case, right. because although, you know, a judge may not read everything in the record and every single detail, and sometimes they do, I was surprised how much work they did and how much they actually researched and read, yeah, right. especially on a constitutional issue. But I think it was very wise that the, le the less you say, the better. Mm -hmm. So in these circumstances, I mean, the circumstances then was, you know, just not, not any reasons, not any directive, no comment, 
on the constitutionality of the law. Um, You know, they just went street procedure. And I think that was wise for them to do that um, for an appellate court to get overturned. They don't want to get overturned. Right, exactly. At the end of the day, they don't want to be. They would rather just say, I'm just denied. I have, you know, my reasons. Let it go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. So, like I said, being surprised that all that took place with that, I thought, good Lord, Landry, of all people, what Mm -hmm. happened here? Mm -hmm. But I'm sure he had assistance working for him, and they just maybe misstepped, dropped the ball. Something happened, and it's it's. And it was really a technicality more than any—I mean, it was the— Correct me if I'm wrong, but the the primary issue was the lateness. You have so many days or something to turn this writ in. Thirty and, days. Yeah, and and it was just later than that. So it wasn't. You're not right in what you're saying. You just didn't get get it to us in time. Basically, wow. Right. And they, there's a reason they they have that time frame, which right? is. And I, I'm just oh whatever. No, <laughs> no for whatever. Baby, I thought you I'm talking about like people that I have. Uh, Ashley Posey, for instance, yeah. second degree murder convicted, and they have a, I think, a year or whatever to file their appeal in, and, and she filed it late. Well, and like, it, you got nothing else to do, but I, I don't know why what happened in AG's office. Like she said, maybe somebody did whatever, but the, I mean, they didn't get filed, they didn't get filed, but which also makes this case unique because it still got it proceeded. That's right. And, and you have a right to a speedy trial, and, and I think maybe that's, some of it, or in speedy decisions, and well, they, well, back in her case, she was already convicted. Yeah, and, uh, everybody yeah, has the right to appeal unless you plead bargain out sure. uh, for your sentence. So back to it, it's late. It's late, but it's still got to take out. Exactly, and that is one question I've asked myself. You know, um, the thoughts of of the justices, you know, taking this up because it was a four three decision. Yeah. And I'm wondering, had Hughes not been recused, what the decision may have may have been. Mm. But with Landry, was was Landry given an exception with the procedural hurdles? Somebody in a different seat, Joe Blow down the road, filing it. Untimely, where the Supreme may not Court had be taken afforded it up. the same uh, leeway, if you will. Yeah. So, I, I I didn't see the language in the interest of justice, but they do have that right in the uh, interest of justice to take it up, despite the procedural hurdles. Yeah. So that was what I kind of settled with. Whether I agree with it or not, I'm kind of on the fence. Right. Um, as to that, but yeah, that's you know? ultimately that's their decision. Exactly, and they have to answer for it. Exactly. Right? So if I if I I put myself in Landry's shoes, if I believe something was unconstitutional, I don't care if it's late or not, I'm gonna right. file it. Absolutely. And yeah, so I, I do not blame thing. him, and he did a great job, and it was written very well. Um, it sure was. Yeah. Now sitting in a judge's seat, yeah. I don't know what I would have done to be honest with you. Yeah. So. Interesting. And it's it's important to note, I mean, I think that uh, the question in, you know, why Landry was taking this to the level that it got taken to was not a question of guilt or innocence. For him, it was a question of constitutionality. Um, you know, whether the guy had done it or not done it, we're, we're up to de- appeals courts to decide. He had a problem with the constitutionality of 
a district attorney being able to uh, basically uh, tell a judge, I think that we need to impose a lighter sentence and that lighter sentence being imposed because in his mind, only a governor has that power. That's clemency in his mind. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And, and and again for the listeners, this is all after the conviction. Mm-hmm. Never, well, like you right. said, and the did, now he he's been tried by a jury of his peers, yes. found guilty, right. sentenced, and here we are. And here we are. And and uh, and, and they were going to cut the deal. You know, coming coming back on it. And uh, Jeff Landry, the, the, the then attorney general, says like, mm, this is not right. Yeah. So, question for you, Miss Christine. Um, once that occurs and this, this becomes late, uh, your option as, as the attorney general is to then go up to the Supreme court level and say, well, I'm going to let them hear this case, the Supreme, you know, court, uh, and their decision is final at that point. Yes. Okay. So it's kind of the last, the last step and that's what he does. Um, yes, that's, ex- that's exactly what he did. And, um, you know, the Supreme Court, they, they took up the writ, you know, and as previously stated, a writ is it's not a right. So yeah. it's the discretion of the judges. And they must have seen this to be a very important issue um, to address. So they, they took up the writ. and um, So they have to take it up. They, they they're not they um, bound. They yeah, can decline. I did not yeah, know that's that. the difference that's between uh, you know an appeal. Right uh, mm-hmm. now, you know, and you'll you'll have a judgment on that. Um, but with a writ, they don't have to take it up. You oh, don't. I did not yeah. know that. So that's interesting. Well, thankfully, they took it up. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that's that's what's so significant about this is they didn't have to. Right. Yeah. So they saw something, and there. then also with the the dispute as to whether or not he had standing mm-hmm. and then the timeliness and then them having the discretion to take it up. That is pretty significant. Yeah. yeah. Well, they saw like what I see or, you know, and it, it was wrong. Yeah. Or it, ultimately they decided that, uh, that they couldn't do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you're, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but you're, do you agree with that decision personally? If, if um, you were sitting at that level, I'm kind of on the fence um, yeah. with the decision, um, with the you know that particular case. Now, yeah. the way the statute is written, do I see it being misused? The way it's written, yes, I could see that. I could mm. see it 
equating to a pardon. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what was interesting um, with the, the Supreme Court's decision, there was a notation in the footnotes where this was not considered clemency or anything like that. It was considered a pardon, mm. is what the Supreme Court had, had stated. Yeah. Because you're dropping one, right. and it's going away, yeah. and then you're giving them something completely new. Right. Yeah. So they... They equate it to a pardon. Now, I'm not sure if I agree with that or not. Um, technically, you know, written on paper, I yeah. can see it. But how it's treating what's taking place, you know, kind of, I don't know if I would, that would be my first thought, that it's actually a pardon. Yeah. Per se. Right. And only the governor has pardon power. Exactly. Right? Interesting. And, uh kind of surprised me in the beginning that the AG would go basically they're going against the DAs and the judges, right? right? Yes. But it's the AG's job. And, and that if he thinks it's wrong and, and that, I mean, he did exactly what he was supposed to do, but you know, normally the powers of be don't go against each other on that. Uh, uh, that's what's what I got out of it. Yeah, and it, well, you make a good point. And you, when you think on, you're on the outside of all this. You would think, I mean, they're all maybe friends, and you know, it's uh, uh, a situation for him. You bring up a good point to step out and and just say, hey, I, I don't think what y'all are doing here is is uh, constitutionally acceptable. Uh, pretty pretty big step from uh, man, and for those that are not familiar with or don't live in Louisiana. We have listeners all over the world. Uh, Jeff Landry is a, a very constitutional person and, and uh, we love him for that. Uh, and he um, is now the governor uh, elect for the state of Louisiana. At this time he was the attorney general and he, he did a lot of fighting, you know, and of what he believed in. And I credit him a lot for that. Um, and this was one thing that he just didn't like the way it looked, the optics of it. And and uh, apparently he was right. Exactly. You know, when the Supreme Court made that decision. My question, and I think Woody actually brought this up in his divine wisdom, uh, is uh, so you have, you have uh, guys that are exonerated on DNA, for example. Yes. And they get exonerated – on that DNA and they get released from prison. And it's not necessarily the governor that's releasing them. What I guess, uh, do you remember having that conversation with me? So what your question on that was, my statement on it was DNA is the evidence in the DNA is irrefutable. Like one in a hundred trillion, whatever it may be. Yeah. uh, So they have to take a look at that. Yeah. In this case, this guy was tried and convicted and sentenced, and it wasn't on DNA. They're not challenging the DNA in the case. They're know, not challenging right. the Senate. They're not challenging they're, they're the challenging guilt or innocence. That, just that, you know, and when it actually in the case, when they come back later, years later, it just happened to have the brain, and you know, they're saying this MS could be MS. That's why she tripped and fell. And I was like, hmm. Uh, the pathologist didn't see that in the beginning. The first thing they take out is the brain and look at it. And then yeah. uh, even the defense uh, uh, pathologist didn't see it. But, and, yes. and then all these years later, some other doctor sees it. And that's not 
DNA exclusion. You're it's a hypothetical. Oh, she could have tripped and fell because of this. And then instead of going back and fighting it in court, reopening all wounds and whatever, they made the decision that hey, you know what? Give them the, basically give them credit time for sir dropping from second degree to manslaughter or whatever it was, and let them out. Yeah. Uh, uh, or give them the chance for the clemency here and what have you. And that's where the fight came in. I mean, that's, to me, that's the difference. If DNA or it's something else, a video comes up, something that's irrefutable. This wasn't irrefutable. This is like kind of, I don't want to say they were trying to just make it go away, but they didn't want to have that fight again. Uh, and he'd been down for however long. Yeah. So. See what I I find interesting, and I absolutely agree with you with with DNA. And um, now for post conviction relief, you actually have a two year time frame to actually go for it. But there are exceptions, and that includes the the DNA. But with just the brain, I don't think that would fall under that particular exception. But there was a note in one of the dissenting opinions. I forgot uh, which. It may have been Justice. It it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But there there was a good point um, there. And they were actually, it seemed to be directing Lee as to what to do because this has fallen through. There's something referred to as factual innocence. Mm And it can be anywhere from DNA to testimony right. to, you know, it's, it's scientific, it's forensic, right. so on and so right. forth. That's one of the exceptions to the two years. Mm-hmm. And I noticed in the dissent they had brought that up saying, hey, you know, even though we're taking this law away, you have to fall under this particular statute for these exceptions, right. one of which is this. Right. And it has to be clear and convincing, present right. it, you have the brain, and then they discussed the white plaques, so right. on and so forth. It was almost as if knowing he's going to read it to right. assist, hey, you can do this. You know, this isn't the end of the world. Right. You know, you have time to present your case. And, yeah. and, 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 and again, they, they missed it. Both sides missed it in the beginning, whatever. And now I agree with you on, you know, I don't want anybody innocent sitting in prison, but they, they, they come back to look at it. That's where, I, again, I think they came to the agreement of Dave. It's like, mm, you know what, this is, c- could be plausible, so let's just, I mean, he's been down for 28 years or however long he it was, was down. It was about that long, the, yeah. Um, instead wow. of doing this over again, that's, that's a significant amount of time, let's let's do this, and which ended up being in violation. Well, and, and you know, we brought up the the brain, and, and here's the question I, I look, my wife asked me this question. I'm like, I don't know, but, um, why did they keep the brain? Yeah, I can never really find strange. the answer to I'm that tell question. You, I'm going to tell you, and you, you can, um, correct me on or say whatever you want to say when I get done. The, the deal is every autopsy I've ever been to, they you ring your face out, pull it over, pop your skull first, take the brain out. They weigh it. And every significant organ, if there's even a question, that makes sure it's not diseased. An autopsy is is a process of elimination, yeah. right? And and so, like I've, an investigation. I, well, you're right. And then I mean, obviously, if you get down and you have a gunshot wound, and then they'll trace or whatever. Sure. But when they take the brain out, they're going to weigh it. If they don't find any abnormalities, and even sometimes if they think there might be something that gets t- tied to it, they'll just take a slice of it. And, and preserve that slice. 
I found it so strange in this case that they had the brain after all these years. I'm like, what's the chain of custody on that? The, the, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> who's to say it wasn't some grandma's brain that got swapped over or what? I mean, obviously they must have had it locked down somewhere. I, I chain of custody. Well, I, it, I, it, I, it really is a, a, and I could never find it. My wife asked me that question, yeah. and she's like, I mean. If that's my relative, I want to bury them with their brain. Yeah. That's just her. But if the organs, believe it or not, and they put, they put them in the bag, put them inside the thing, yeah. and sew it up. I don't know how this brain got kept. Unless they, unless they maybe uh, this person was an organ donor or something, and they were going to save it for testing. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, to be honest with you, I have no idea. When I found out the brain was preserved and from how to hide, I'm thinking to myself, the whole brain? Yeah, right. It, or it, it, slides. So, yeah, slides. Of, it, uh, uh, most I've ever yeah, seen. Unless is, the brain was part of like subdural hematomas, whatever. Or, but unless it was part of the cause uh, of what they're saying the homicide was for. And, and I still can't imagine keeping it for 28-plus years or however long it was. It just, I was like, that blew, blew my mind because yeah. I cannot find So if anybody's out there listening, that is the answer. Please tell us. They're paying, the, as taxpayers, we're paying rent for that brain to sit in a closet somewhere <laughs> for all those years. Well, and, and you know, that was a big basis of, of them trying to get a new trial or, excuse me, a big basis of convincing the district attorney to go to a judge and say, hey, we need to knock this sentence down is because they said that she, uh, Miss Miss Audra Bland, had MS that she was unaware of, and that would explain uh, her falling and, very easily. Hindsight's twenty twenty. After all these years, these other pathologists missed it, including the defense pathologists. They missed it in the beginning. How does someone see the plaque and all this when, it, you know, that should have been something from my point. Uh, how how point did two people miss it? Already? Yeah, and, and yeah. on opposing sides, right? And and uh, they both miss it, and then all these years later. But back to it, I think again, I'm not throwing shade on the DA or anybody else. When it, you know, again, had I been in this position after all these years, I'm be like, oh shit, this this might go up, and they might you know uh, say retried, and I'm going to have to do this and spend all this money, and yeah, this guy's been down. Give them his out, right, or, or knock it down. But where they got screwed is coming back, and, and the DA's like, uh, I don't want this to go back up, and they have to spend all these resources when this guy's been down for a long time. Now, I don't know about her family uh, or, or anything else or, or living uh, victims, but a lot of times what happened cases or people, on a, especially on appeal and stuff like that, or parole hearings and things like that, if the victim's family doesn't show up or the stuff, if there's no one to call us an ape and acute political emergency is what we used to call it, <laughs> it or raise a stink, then they'll just be like, mm, you know what? It's pretty reasonable. He's been down. Not It's not reasonable to me as an old homicide detective. Sure. I believe you kill somebody and you get sentenced to life, you, you, you know, die in prison. But yeah. the DA is like, mm, I don't really want to spend my time and resources. I got other shit to do. Yeah. And pass it on. Yeah. And, and, you know, avoid the possibility of uh, of a retry and a in a loss. Yeah. Let me ask you this: I really think that that is a um and 
a viable option and probably should be. I don't think the DA uh, is none of the DAs, and I've worked with most of them. That um, I don't think they would come from a really bad place, but I'm sure you know there's good and bad in every profession. I think that should almost be a tool that maybe they should look at changing the rule on. Yeah, you know, where where on something like that when new evidence comes forward and mm, yeah, the DA. This DA didn't live this case, but his office lived the case. They had the case files, and the, and the detectives probably were dead. It might have been a lot of different things. The DA's like, I can't get the witnesses. There's no family left. The um, the detectives are dead, whatever. I don't want to have to fight this fight. But I could see in other cases, whether it's DNA or whatever, um, eyewitness testimony, whatever comes back bad, if, if they – have that discretion and go to a judge and the judge agrees with it. I almost think they should be able to do that. Yeah. But I understand the, the, the constitution is what it is. The law is what it is. So I do not disagree with Jeff Landry at all on now. That's right. But every rule that's been in any policy and procedure manner has ever been written is because somebody screwed something up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, to, to, to comment on what you just stated, I, I can see where you're coming from and I do agree. I think where there may be an issue is this what is individualized as opposed to just a general set rule. Right, right. Um, so under Article 930.3, there's all of the reasons delineated there as to post-conviction relief. Right. And how it can be granted, including the DNA and uh, the factual innocence or what have you. But under the law at issue, it basically says, okay, one person, we all come together, we're going to discuss this, and then we're going to reach an agreement. Right. So I think that might have been an issue with it and how it was written and maybe providing too much Discretion, yeah. and I think, and the reason why I state that is, is not to say I believe that. That was another comment I'd seen in a different right. opinion, as to um, it being individualized as opposed to the legislature creating an additional ground right. that says if you have no family, if you have this, if you yeah, have yeah. this, you have, and then it applies to everybody, right? Yeah. So, as opposed so, to this one person. I'm gonna go back on that. Good point. But, uh, I. Two things on which said, I, I agree if they go back and they change it, it needs to apply to everyone, right? And not just in an individual case. Everyone should have that option. Now, is that going to screw up the legal system more and make things drag out and appeals, whatever it may be? Uh, um, and I, I'm not saying the, you know, I love both sides of it kind of because I mean, you know, I don't believe even one instance should sit inside. And a lot of times people will have stuff come forward. Past states, and I don't know the legalese, uh, um, and they're like, they're just screwed. It's outside the time frames and whatever. And I'm like, holy smokes, you know, this. But I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I, it's. Uh, I probably, you know, I, I stay awake a lot, not awake, but I, it bothers me sometimes. And that, uh, late at night when I'm thinking about it, and I just pray when I read about some of these cases that I never put anybody in goal for the rest of their life. Um, and then that I got it wrong. Right. Yeah. So, well, your intention was right, always. Right, right. But it doesn't mean that, it. you know, the worst testimony in the world is eyewitness testimony, right? And, yeah. and stuff like that. But I don't know. I don't know what the answer well, is. Well, and, and you do personal injury and in your 
he just brought up eyewitness testimony, and that's something in Iraq, you know, and you have people see that wreck. It's not very eyewitness testimony is not very reliable because, you know, at, in a lot of different levels, not only from, you know, murder and and uh, major criminal issues, but even from uh, from, you well, know, something as, as not as simple as a wreck, because some are absolutely horrible, but. Uh, something like Iraq where you're gathering witnesses and you got two people that were in the same place at the same time and saw two different things, right? Uh, Let's touch on it real quick. um, You could have five people, and generally you ask them, and and they might give a different description of a shirt or height or weight or what they guess the age is, as long as they get the base same thing. Now, some eyewitnesses – just lie, yeah, for whatever reason and stuff like that, and that's when that's found out is where the real issue comes in. You're almost never, you know, you could put all of us in a room and a gunman comes in and does whatever and and, and starts capping off rounds and he leaves. We're almost never going to give the same description, yeah. Right? But we could all agree to the base of it, and but even on uh, personal injury cases, shit. Certainly, there's a reason some people are going to lie on both sides, and but that's just the nature of the world. Yeah, yeah. But a a major decision, nonetheless, and and uh, historic. And it, you know, you were the one that she texted you me, found. and she says, "I can't believe that y'all haven't covered this yet." No, I was I'm, so I was like, "Am I crazy?" And I went <laughs> back through, and I'm looking. I said, "There's no way they missed this in September. There's no way." Well, and the huge value to to we love it and encourage all of the listeners to reach out if you if you have something you'd like us to talk about because this is one. It became a three part series. Had you not reached out. Uh, it may have slipped through the cracks for who knows how long before we picked it up and and right. caught it. Right. I'm telling you, we uh, wouldn't have never picked it up. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we may have found it at one point. Data don't play. <laughs> pretty cool. That's right. Yeah. Data don't play and data doesn't lie. Right. That's right. That's right. So, um, ultimately, this is. I mean, I'd say it's summing up, but you brought it to the forefront. And they ran with it, and it was it was four to three decision. Four three, and see, I, I really am torn on it. Reading through the record, and I'm kind of happy that they preserved the brand because you don't want somebody innocent, right? Staying in, yeah, no, no, you know, absolutely, absolutely. nobody wants that. So I, I would like to see you know something come of this because after reading through the record, I was dumbfounded that it was at a hearing for a joint motion wherein the husband actually stated that Bland was prone to fall mm-hmm. and suffered with dizziness. And, and I'm like, why didn't the defense they're, why didn't they're the trying defense to get that out in the beginning? The why didn't the defense get that out in yeah. the beginning? And, and, and why didn't their pathologist look at the brain then? Oh, holy shit, well, she's prone to falling. It could be EMS or I'd like whatever. i see it go back to trial. Yeah. Well, again, but like then, then back to the DA side, on the cases like that, and they're like, mm, you know what? Maybe these witnesses aren't live. Maybe this wasn't preserved. Maybe whatever. And then I got to explain why our pathologist didn't pick this up in the beginning and in what have you. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I forgot what expert it was, but um, it, it was the one that actually discovered the white plaque right. or what have you on the brain, saying it was indicative of the, the multiple sclerosis. Right. Well, the coroner, as well as another expert, 
couldn't disagree. Right. Right. But after, you know, Googling, because I'm not a doctor, right. you know, Googling a little bit, there are other causes for that. So I would actually like to see the brain tested. Right. And to see if if that is. Yeah. You know, and see yeah. why not go back to trial. Yeah. You think they ought to go back to trial? This I don't know because what I don't understand is why was there only a visual inspection by that expert and not yeah. actual testing of the right. brain? Maybe they were trying to get a new trial based on some kind of reasonable doubt, reaching, uh, you know, just reaching for straws. Maybe, 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 I don't know. Maybe because you didn't find what Jeff Landers people send in the writ. Um, maybe they were just hoping to get this agreement, right? Well, you know what? Bring enough pressure. They didn't want to go to trial. Well, we really don't want to go to trial, but we're not telling them that. And then maybe we can reach this agreement. And guess what? It backfired. Yeah. Because now they never get in that agreement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow. Like Crazy. Thank well, you for giving right. us that case to cover. Uh, I, look. I could I talk know, about it all day. There's many so much thousands here, like y'all of downloads. Said. Yeah, yeah that we've gotten on this say. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, what what intrigued you the most about this case? Uh, it was um, the disputes of you know because the 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 justices when you have you know the the main opinion mm-hmm. and you had the dissenting opinion sometimes they write an additional when they're concurring or what have you is to see them kind of go back and forth at each other. Yeah, that is interesting, and I do yeah. like that because. Um, I find the Supreme Court is is pretty good with that, and I've seen I see it with the with the uh, the state appellate courts or what have you, but not to that extent. Yeah. Um, so I find it pretty interesting. But everybody needs a Ginsburg and Scalia, right? Yeah. There's always right. two right. sides, right. but you can be best friends right. and eat at a, have a dinner. Amen. Right. You know, so that's right. Um, that's, that's so that's what cool. I enjoy is them being able to come together, but seeing them go back and forth, but having been in the background working. With judges, it's like they're so mean on paper, but then you sit in there and they're all yeah, laughing, right. drinking coffee. Right. Yeah, right. It's yeah. kind of like attorneys going to trial and they're against yeah, each yeah, other and, and like, and okay, and let's go laugh. get some coffee now. Yeah, right. Isn't that we'll something? Break, you know? Yeah, that's part of it. The, um, the practice of law. That's right. right. Yeah. And speaking of that, you're you're a lawyer now, and and uh, how much do you love law? Hey, what, hey, what made you want to become a lawyer? Yeah. Uh, if it's too personal, you don't have to answer. Oh, no, not too personal. Um, there was um, an attorney who was a dear friend of mine, Ike Hawkins. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, no, I, I started at his office just like a secretary, just right. whatever. I was probably 15, 16 years old. And I just got a watch, and then I started doing paralegal work. And I was like, man, I, I think I'm kind of stuck in this. Right. I say, you know what? And I started really enjoying it, and I said, this is what I want to do. Right. And I'm seeing the attorneys do everything, even though I'm, it's kind of like the nurse and the doctor. You do everything in the right, background, right, but, right, you know, right, the attorneys, right. the one signing, settling, right. and getting the glory, right? I right. said, well, I think I can, I can do that. Can but do I'd been from law firm to law firm, from managing HR to paralegal work, been around. Yeah. And um, I just, I couldn't get away from it, got a passion for it. And when I was in law school, I was on law review, Sweet. I became real fascinated with uh, the legislature and um, 
you know, the bills and, you know, wrote, wrote uh, I have a couple of publications of which have been cited, which yeah. is pretty cool. Really? Oh, yeah. Fourth Circuit. Yeah. Get there. And, um, that is awesome. Actually, attorneys reach out to me regarding my, my publications. Right. And they want me to enroll as counsel right. in some of the yeah, help. Them yeah, exactly. Right. So it's um, just all of this, just doing that for such a long time, it, coupled with my, my love of writing and justice and reading and finding that loophole somewhere. It's yeah. like, but in my heart of hearts, I really wanted to be a prosecutor. Me too. But my husband told me no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's love. And and yeah, I had the grades and everything to go, but I, I just didn't want to and not not knocking the right because my whole family does it. Sit behind the desk and do the same thing. But I, I would have been a prosecutor like one of my grandfathers or a judge like my other one, right? Uh but I, I can't yeah. sit still long enough. I love yeah. it. I love it that you know what the the world needs good attorneys, right? Yeah, I agree. And and it is well, it they is. keep it. You know, uh, when it, in its purest form, they're right. they're keeping everybody honest right. and everybody. You know, the law is uh, such an important thing, and um, I, I dealt with re- not super recently within the last year. What am I? They, kids someone hit and run them uh right there on the road yeah ran a red light and it was a big it was mess. video right yeah, yeah. You, well and yeah. thank god for good samaritans in the world this person i didn't know and he wasn't he was from florida and he sent his dash cam video into the police of the wreck that's awesome it just, it's just so happened to do that um but long story short um the insurance company that we were uh, dealing with um, waited till the exact last day to do everything they had to do as, as uh, and I'm not crushing on all insurance companies, but let me tell you, I didn't like this one and take a wild guess. It, it was an open and shut case and they fought it tooth and nail just because yep. they could. Yep. And, uh, and so that's why lawyers are important and, and uh, especially personal injury lawyers because they look out for things like that. Yeah. So um, shout out to you hey, for following your dreams and, I, you know, absolutely. becoming and owning it. What you, you know, and owning it. I'm trying. And loving the law. And, hey, you have any questions for us? Yeah. Anything? Anything? What's our favorite color? There's, no, there's nothing off Green. the record. Don't ask. Don't ask if you don't want to know the truth. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, you, yeah. Don't ask him something too crazy. He'll answer. <laughs> I'm just curious how you guys got together. Oh, that's a great. You story. know, and then how you came to be. You know, I guess director doing podcasts. Yeah. And I kind of heard a little bit of your story mm-hmm. when you said, "What is a podcast?" I was the same way. Right. Right. Because I actually had a friend of mine, Meredith Thickpin. Tell me about one of your podcasts, and I was like, "How do I do Shout that?" Out to her. My husband listens to podcasts. Well, how do I? How do I do I, that? I didn't even know. You know, I mean, I'm like, I'd never heard the word. Yeah, I'm a dinosaur. I'm like, hey, <laughs> asking my girls, hey, can y'all turn my phone on and get me a podcast? It's yeah. called this, you know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I heard a little bit of the background, right. but how you guys come to be, came to be, and you know how you got into it, and so this is a great story. Let me. Let me <laughs> you tell, I, I gotta yeah, tell this one. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I was in a whole different 
world. I was a sales manager for a family-owned paint company, but very successful uh, privately-owned company. It was the largest privately-owned paint company in the United States and been around forever. Um, Very successful with that, 20-plus years. Same job, never left. Through that, um, I, I wanted to promote my company more and what they were doing. And I started something called Chapman's Paint Place Podcast. And it was h- horrible as far as video. <laughs> it was with a cell phone. It was like everything you would expect to be horrible. Yeah. But it had some viewers because I would I would be like, show me how to touch up a sheetrock wall. I'd be on a painter's job site and they would do it. And wow. people would YouTube how to touch up a sheetrock wall and they'd watch it. So I had a little bit of an audience there. And I always had a passion for private businesses. That's why I worked for a small family-owned paint company relative to, like, the large Sherwin-Williams of the world uh, for so many years. And um, I wanted to to promote small business and mom and pops and people that were just busting their tails. And so I got in touch with uh, McHugh David of the Livingston Parish News, and he was doing a podcast of his own. And I said, man, I want to rent your studio and do my stuff out of there. I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to do any of that. How much will you charge me? Came up with a price. And I started that through that. The guy sitting to my left uh, was the world's greatest podcaster. And he was bigger than life by accident, by accident, total accident. But he's, you know, Woody Everton. And uh, this is 2019. And he is on absolute fire. He's everywhere. Number one podcast in the world. And I was a fan. Right. So um, I loved his shit. And I would listen to it all the time. And I said, I wonder if I texted him on Facebook. And told him to come on local leaders if he would do it. Now I'm totally thinking there's no way this guy's going to do this. But I sent a, a, a text and I still have it. It was like warm peace, girl. This thing was nine yeah, pages was, long. Was impressive, yeah. Please, you know, I'm I'm like we embellishing how it. successful I am at the podcast. I'm yeah. like, yeah, you know, we were recorded at the Livingston Parish News. We, we need to print that up one day and put it <laughs> hanging on the wall in the studio. Definitely, oh, I'm gonna do that for sure. So I go through this whole begging thing, and I swear the next text I get back is about five minutes later. Took him that long to read it. Yeah. So, basically said, Jim. You had me at hello. And he came in and he did local leaders. Uh, and this was before Envision was here. This way was before. That, uh, we were filming like, it. The Living Spare Scenes. Yes. And it it caught fire because yeah. of absolutely of him. Uh, I used him for, for that. And through that process, uh, it was, you know, it's hard to explain. You come across people in your life that... Uh, you just feel like we're meant to be there. That was kind of like a me and Woody thing. Since that meeting and that podcast, we've never kind of deviated from each other. It's very strange. So through that, God blesses you. We believe this. And, um, and things would come up and we would, we would always kind of collaborate. Um, and at one point, I made the crazy decision to leave my job that I was totally secure with and go way out on a limb. And it has been uh, probably the best gift other than my children that God has ever given me. And your wife. And my wife, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her. That's right. (laughs) That, too. (laughs) 
It's she a, goes without saying. Hey, I like that. You Recovery. Know, <laughs> yeah, it was just a stupid blessing. Yeah. And then, yeah, um, and within five months of starting my podcast, by, totally by accident, I used to travel the um, country and I'm certified in all federal courts as an um, expert witness in law enforcement matters. And, and nice. so that's what I was doing. That's that in polygraphs at, yeah. at the time. And then, but I started the podcast within five months of one people's choice podcast year award for drama and storytelling and rolled on and rolled on started doing live shows and all this stuff. And then, you know, we hooked up and I told him, I said, Hey, you gotta, you gotta grab them things. And if you right. and step out there on faith, cause I did it. And, and like when, yeah, you know, I started cutting back on my other stuff cause this stuff's taken all and I didn't know anything, right? Yeah. And and had to go through different producers and different things and take learning licks and you know, improvise, adapt and overcome. And then we we put it together as kind of like the one in twin powers act, yeah. right? Amen. And then he stepped out, started Envision Podcast Studios, brought everything over to him, and then we did, you know, obviously uh we wanted to do something together. Yeah. And we both love the history, and we, and we actually we both love mafia too. Oh yeah! And so we're gonna, yeah, we're, we're going to start mafia. But I like yeah, I love, have a mad love for, for Angola, um, yeah. and the history and just putting together and everything else is rolling. Yeah, one day we sat down. And we just said we're gonna we're gonna do a podcast on Angola and uh, wow. fire. And and meanwhile, he's producing you know my other stuff, and and people were basically lining up the door. He opened Envision on faith, and you know people are like showing up. Hey, I want to start a podcast. I want to start a podcast. So, I mean, he provides everything. The editing. He's like me, always trying to get better. At what he does, and um, he's the best I've ever had as far as producer and everything else. And that's not ass kissing. It's true, but but the um, you know we put it together. Vision now is, you know, has more successful shows than, than anybody else that I know. Yeah. It's certainly in Louisiana. And 100%. Keep, we keep rolling with it, and we have more stuff lined up. Yeah. That's coming. That's and look for Law with Christine Tillman <laughs> yeah, coming right. soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah so swim is a. Definitely gonna not be for the faint hearts. Yeah, you ain't gonna want to listen to that one. But we, <laughs> I mean, you are gonna want to listen to it. You ain't gonna believe it when yeah, you listen you might to it. Have to have a couple of drinks. Right? Yeah. Um, we thank you so much for coming hey, on. Hey, you know thank what? You so much You're for awesome. But I gotta give a shout out to the man in the room, not Jim Chavin. What's your husband's name? Yes, Andrew. Tillman. Andrew, Andrew, shout out, Tillman. bro, for Look, bringing her in this morning. I call him Popeye because he's got. The biggest forearm. Oh, he's a big dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I not, ain't arm wrestling him anytime soon. I'm not trying to fight him. And, Get my and, technique right hey, first. And by the way, <laughs> shout out to LP because you know they, they actually live here in LP. That's uh, right. Far from me and actually on the same street that I used to live on. So We love LP uh, around here. You are a sweetheart. And yep. uh, we, we give a shout out to oh, Eric. That's right. right? Yeah. Tell him. Tell him. Woody Overton said hello, and and we'd love to talk to him sometimes. Yeah, too, right? we'd love to. And, uh, That's right. But you've been amazing. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, thank you, thank you so and thank you for bringing you attention. Have, on you the have anything you want to add or take away? Gator don't play. Gator, Gator don't, play. don't play. I like it. Love it. There you go. Make, <laughs> make it rain. All right. Love it. Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Everton. Your host of Bloody Angola. A podcast 142 years in the making. Complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. Peace. Good one.
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.